0: ...in April 1940 that the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Physics in Berlin had started an extensive research program involving uranium. The committee's work took on a new urgency. It recommended the funding of significant research in the U.S., especially work at Columbia University in New York on nuclear chain reactions. In June 1940, shortly after Belgium's defeat and occupation by Germany, the Uranium Committee encouraged Edgar Sanger, the managing director of Union Minière. To move its mined supplies of Congolese uranium to the U.S. for safekeeping, there was serious concern at this time that the Congo might be invaded by Nazi Germany. Sanger later noted having serious reservations about security in Katanga. La sécurité au Katanga était mal garantie. Before the war, the ore had been shipped to a Union Minière refinery in Belgium, but now that Belgium was occupied by the Nazis, it was decided to ship the ore directly from the Congo to America. Towards the end of 1940, 1,200 tons of the stockpiled uranium ore at Shinkolobwe, of approximately 70% uranium oxide, were shipped to New York. A commercial arm of Union Miniere was specially set up in New York to arrange for the transport of the ore. This was the African Metals Corporation, also known as Afrimat, which became the sole agent for the sale of Union Miniere products in the U.S. During September and october nineteen forty, the ore was shipped from the Congo and was stored on arrival on Staten Island in New York. Edgar Sangier, a qualified engineer, had worked for Union Miniere since nineteen eleven. He was appointed director of the company in nineteen thirty two. He later claimed that it was entirely his own idea to send the uranium to New York. I did this, he told the writer John Gunther in the mid nineteen fifties, without telling anything to anybody. This was evidently not the case, since the initiative had been taken by Roosevelt's Uranium Committee. However, Sanger did move to New York to liaise with the U.S. government, staying in central Manhattan. Sanger, who turned 60 towards the end of 1939, was a polished man, somewhat stout, with pale skin, white hands, a fringe of white hair, and a short silver mustache, who, according to Gunther, seemed to convey a pleasant sense of benevolence and goodwill but he had nerves of steel and he was presiding over a unique supply of a mineral that had the power to change history. On 9 October 1941, two months before Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor, Roosevelt gave the go-ahead to the atomic project. This involved the setting up of a separate secret state, notes Richard Rhodes in the making of the atomic bomb, with separate sovereignty linked to the public state through the person and by the sole authority of the president. The Manhattan Engineering District was formed within the Army Corps of Engineers to be known as the Manhattan Project. Secrecy was already the watchword of the whole enterprise, and this name was chosen as a way of avoiding giving any clues about its concerns. The project was authorized formally a few weeks after Pearl Harbor, which led to America's entry into the Second World War. In January 1942, Roosevelt approved the top-secret development of an atomic bomb. The project now received full support from the Army in order to meet the emerging need for large-scale construction and design. In September that year, the President gave military command of the Manhattan Project to General Leslie R. Groves, a West Point graduate who was described by Kenneth Nichols, his second-in-command, as the biggest son-of-a-bitch I've ever met in my life, but also one of the most capable individuals. The civilian head of the project was Henry Louis Stimson, the Secretary of War. Groves and Stimson were responsible for what the war historian Max Hastings has described as the most ambitious military project in history, in which the stakes were as high as the world has ever known. The initial funding for the project, which was in excess of thirty seven million dollars, worth about five hundred ninety seven million in twenty fifteen, was channeled into a secret dummy account so as to avoid detection by any foreign spy. An additional reason for channeling the funds in this way was to avoid the legal requirement of obtaining the approval of Congress. Seeking such approval would have been very awkward in the case of what became a huge disbursement, reaching $2 billion, worth about $27 billion in 2015. Because of Groves' position at the head of the top-secret unlimited budget project, states Patrick Marnum in Snake Dance, a study of the nuclear age, He was, without any question, from November 1942, for three years, one of the most powerful men in the world. Under Groves' leadership, the Manhattan Project developed at breakneck speed. He sent Nichols to negotiate with Edgar Sanger over the purchase of the 1,200...